Welcome to today's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with Jason Graves and Mike Janung. Blazing Grace covers blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Here are your hosts, Jason and Mike. Welcome back to the Blazing Grace Show. This is Mike Janung. I'm here with Julie Dozier. Hi, Julie. Hi, Mike. Good J- to be here. Jason blew out on us. <laughs> he uh, had some things he had to take care of today, and we miss you, brother, and So it's me and Julie handling it today, and I want to start off reading John 8, 8, 8-1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple court, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them, the teachers of the law, and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. So the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. What I want to ask is, when is the last time you heard in your church the topic of women struggling with sexual sin? When is the last time you heard in the church the topic of women struggling with masturbation, pornography, chat rooms, or anything along those lines, or affairs. And the fact is that even though we don't, we talk even less about men struggling with porn. That we're hearing that just as women, just as many women struggle with porn and, and sex addiction as men do. I receive emails from time to time. In fact, I received one that just came to my mind a moment ago about a woman. She said, "Please, please, please, don't leave us out of this. When you leave us out of this, it causes shame because we feel left out." And um, today we're not going to leave the women out because we know that a lot of you are struggling with this too. So what about you, Julie? Have you have you heard the church talk about women in sexual sin much? Um, no, I haven't. And, you know, I know that some churches speak out more than other churches on that. But um, overall, I just, I definitely have not heard it about the females. And... Um, I think what that does is it just reinforces that I'm the only one. Hmm. I'm a freak out there, and nobody else is struggling with this. And maybe some males are, but surely not females. And I think that's the message they get. And that's the message I hear a lot of times from my clients. And it's so sad. And, you know, as you read that passage, um, it reminded me of uh, just a few years ago, I went out and just, I was looking at, I think it was the Crystal Cathedral in California, and and they had all these different statues, and one of them was based on that scripture that you just read, and and to see um, just the the others just judging her, and and to see her bending down and looking up at Jesus, and the look on his face, and of mercy and of grace, and and I just it touched me, it just brought tears to my eyes because um, there were just so many of my clients in that same position and mm-hmm. they just they struggle with the shame of being a female and in that position and feeling so alone with that mm-hmm. <clears throat> and isn't there also a fear that with women they're going to get branded as a slut or yeah. something like that right, right. i mean you, it's so different from the males to the females the males are it's kind of like hey you go you know and and the girls are okay well it, it must have been her fault because She's a slut, she's a whore, those kinds of things. And you get a completely different uh, feel of that from society. How, from what you've seen, how young are women when they're getting caught into this, caught up in any kind of sexual sin, masturbation or 
chat rooms or porn? Uh, it's getting younger and younger every day. Actually, um, I mean, it's early teens. Early teens. Mm. As in 12? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 12, 13. Yeah. And what breaks my heart is that, is that I know that um, in the church, there's going to be a lot of 12 and 13 year olds who are impressionable and have probably been exposed to pornography and they're not going to hear the message of what what they need to do to cope with this. And let's face it, wherever we go, we're going to be exposed to the images of porn and lust. If a girl walks into the mall, she's going to be exposed to women, big, full-body-sized women, pictures pictures of women in, in uh, revealing clothing. There's going to be a standard there that they have to dress to seduce. <clears throat> so in the church, don't we have to do something to counter that lie? Shouldn't we do something with, with our youth to... To help equip them for this society they're going to have to face. Right, definitely. And it needs to start, I think, at a younger and younger age because, um, you know, if you wait <clears throat> until they get into high school, there's there's a lot of damage that can will have already taken place at that mm. point. Mm. You know, the, the words that I love that that Jesus spoke were the first words out of his mouth were that nobody condemn you. I do not condemn you either. And for the woman that's hiding and that's feeling that shame, sometimes I have to believe those words are the, the hardest to receive. And I know in my own work, walk, those were the hardest to receive because I was always hiding in this shame and this pain. And uh, can you speak to women that might be struggling with accepting grace right now? Mm, yeah. You know, is is just to know, for one thing, that that your struggle is is a human struggle and and that um, the enemy wants to take that one thing that just is beautiful and precious and that God meant to be pure and to be fulfilling and he wants to destroy it because the enemy just wants to destroy us all the way around but especially it seems like in this one area and um, just recognizing the spiritual warfare that is a part of that and and knowing that there's a loving God that is uh, accepting you unconditionally and loving you and um, being willing to um, accept that grace and that mercy that he's offering. And, uh, you know, and an, another issue that I, I think about is just, you know, as, you know, we're talking about the younger teens is the way that you do go into the mall, like what you mentioned, and you see them and, and the way that they're dressing and what they're seeing is just fashion. And, and a lot of times um, they will um, dress that way just because they think it's fashion. And, and, and if they're hearing anything, they may hear the, the whole argument that, okay, you, you don't need to be dressing that way because you uh, want to keep others from falling. <laughs> but really, I think more than that, it's you shouldn't be dressing that way for yourself because, mm. you know, you don't want to be objectified and and it's about you and in protecting yourself i have three daughters ages eight actually she's turning the oldest one's turning nine today her name's rachel and ages eight nine i'm sorry <laughs> five and three <clears throat> and what i've been telling my my daughters as they get older is never marry a man who's not going to value you Never marry a man who's not going to honor you and treat you like a queen, like a daughter of God. Mm -hmm. 
And um, what I hear often from men, and I assume it also hears true from women, is most of us didn't grow up with fathers that treated us like like a daughter of God. Um, I hear a lot of neglect, um, a lot of men and women growing up without fathers who didn't love them, Tell, take things were special, and I like to take my daughters out on dates, uh, and they just they just love it. They look forward to it. And part of the lie of the enemy, when we indulge in shame, is that look what you just did, look what kind of hypocrite you are. You must be some sort of Christian freak or a pervert or a slut. Nobody else is talking about this, so look look what the mess you made in your life is. And then he and then he drives the point home, and he pounds it pounds it in with. You're the only one who struggles with this. Do you hear anybody else talking about this stuff? And that's why it's so critical and I'm so passionate about the church talking clearly and boldly about this. This isn't something we can just preach about. We have to own up to the fact that there's a lot of people who are hurting and want to hear a message of hope. You bet. You bet. You know, a lot of times what we hear is we hear these testimonies of yeah, well, uh, these things have happened, but now we're at this point and we're living happily ever after almost, you know. It's just an unrealistic um, testimony, and it's it's unrealistic expectations to build, you know, to think that, okay, well, nobody else is struggling or else they have struggled and now they never struggle again, you know. It's just, let's be real. Mm-hmm. Let's just be real in the churches. And when we get up, let's admit we struggle. You know, and but this is the hope that we have in Christ in in that struggle. Well, isn't brokenness really the doorway that that brings so many people in? And in my own life, I know that when I'm transparent with my weaknesses, when I'm transparent with my past, and a part of that past included committed an adultery as a single man and as a married man. That when I'm when I'm transparent with this stuff, that's what really encourages others to come out and, and be transparent the same. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I would say right now is I don't really hear a lot of women stepping up to be transparent with their weaknesses in the church. Yeah, and you know I think that that's um, partly because of the way that it's the church views women the same way as the society outside the church does is that. They're afraid. Mm-hmm. They're going to be calling me slut, and you know they might be smiling in my face. But what are they doing when they go home? What are they really thinking? Um, you, you know, just the thoughts that they can't help but be um, just um, affected by how society views it. And so I think there is a fear. I think there's also um, what I'm seeing is just a change in how it used to be that. Women that struggle, you would think that okay, they're more of the love addict, the romance addict, and um, they get get into the fantasy and those kinds of things in the romance novels. Not that that's still not there, but I'm seeing more and more of kind of the stereotypical male sex addict is what the the females are getting into. I think that's probably more due to porn, and um, but the um, the females are um, getting hooked on. Pornography. Um, you know, some of my clients are, are doing the um, cruising for anonymous sex, those kinds of things, mm. just like um, what used to be more of the, the male population. So does that mean it, at some level that a lot, it used to be that the woman was kind of the, uh, the last stop, the last boundary for 
sexual promiscuity, but it sounds like some of those doors have been kind of mm. broken past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is, and what has happened in our society? Well, I think it's um, some of it is really the media. Some of it is what you're seeing on movies, TV, is that it's more and more ex- accepted uh, secularly. Mm. I talked to a wife of a guy who was a sex addict a little while ago. <clears throat> and she told me a lot of the fear that she has with with sharing and being open in the church. She don't. She doesn't. She didn't know that if other women would be gossiping behind her back and be, and be spreading lies. And she didn't know if she would have. Basically, she didn't know she'd have a lot of knives in her back after she opened up. Do you see that as a problem? I do, but but I see what's a bigger problem than that is that man is. Is our church a safe place? Mm. It should be a safe place for people to be authentic because everyone struggles with something. And if she's feeling that way, that is such a sad indictment on our church today is um, we need to present a church that is safe for people to be real. Well, and I think part of safe is, is being willing to get muddy and dirty with people no matter how ugly the situation and what just blows me away with Jesus is how a woman who had just had sex who was in the pit of shame didn't know where she was she could come to him and one lady wrote about a year ago that she had she was a wife of an addict she went to one past she basically she went to three different pastors of three different churches and either they didn't call her back or they blew her off mm. and and that just broke my heart because to me the church should be the first place we go to get help right. not the last you bet you bet because we have the answer mm-hmm. and Jesus didn't have a problem looking at this woman and saying I do not condemn you and I think where it gets hard is when somebody walks up and says you know what I just had an affair and I've been married for four years and I have two kids and it gets ugly and it gets a little bloody then we have to decide what are we going to do at that point and where the church damages, where we damage people at times is where we start quoting scripture at them right. or giving them trite answers when really what they need is somebody just to be their friend. Exactly. And, and to listen. show them the kind of grace and mercy and compassion that, that Jesus shows them. I mean, we need to allow Jesus to show through us with them. And, you know, sometimes these people will uh, come for help in the church and and maybe they've had a father figure that was nothing but rebuking, you know, and shaming. And then they go to a pastor, and the pastor gives them the same thing. And they they just start thinking, this must be what God is, mm. you know. I'm seeing this in all of my authority figures and the male figures. Well, God's a man. Well, oh, hmm. God must be that way, too. He must be completely disappointed with me. Oh, and, my. you know, then the shame is just pounded on over and over. So what would you see as a key for a woman to break those lies, that well, shame? I, I think that it's disputing what's uh, untruths, you know, that the enemy is throwing at them. is getting in the habit of disputing that with truth. I mean, get in the Word. Know about God's grace. Read up on that, about God's love. And, and make a list of affirmations for yourself based on those truths. And when those lies from the enemy come at you, have something ready. 
if you have to write it down and you have to put it on your mirror or whatever, but have it ready so that you can dispute that. And usually there's some kind of theme about it. It might be a theme of shame or a theme of all or none thinking or, or a theme of overgeneralizing, whatever it is. But but recognize what is the thing that typically comes at me from the enemy and and do some research in the Word and look up some verses so that you are ready uh, when it comes at you. Let's say there's somebody out there who's somebody's daughter. She's in her 20s or 30s. Her dad did not hold her, hug her, love her, tell her she was cherished growing up. She gets involved with sexual sin. She gets involved with men who are abusing her. So all along the line, she's had these questions, am I really of value? Is there something in me that really somebody can love? And every man I've gone to, like you said, is an authority figure. They've chained him or ignored him. And this, let's just say the same woman has heard about God's grace and she starts hurting because she wants it, but she doesn't really know if that's for her. What would you say to her? Well, um, I would go to the Word and I would tell her what, what God says about who she is. And, um, and you know, just doing that typically is not going to, you know, have them say, oh, okay, well, I believe it. It's, it really does take uh, some time. It takes some work. And it takes um, her setting down and thinking about all of those traumas of the abuse and those relationships, of the things that were told to her growing up, all of those. And, and then looking at patterns and how that through those different traumas that she's come to believe certain statements about herself. Hmm. And then... And then go to the Word and say, what does the Word say? Who does this say you are? You know. So who does the Word say she is? She's a child of God's, um, you know, in her faith and in believing God and and that she is a precious creature. Hmm. And and that, and I think what a lot of people uh, come away from all of that kind of lifestyle is that, you know what, I'm just... Um, I'm broken. I'm I'm broken goods. I'm used, and um, I, I can never feel pure again. I hear that a lot from a lot of my female clients. Is I just I've been through so much. Um, I, I just can't imagine me feeling pure again. Hmm. And uh, just to know that 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 is kind of what I just mentioned about that all or none thinking is that you know what you can, and God is a God of second and third and fourth and on chances. And he's he's going to be there, and and you don't believe that lie because that is a lie of the enemy. And you know if you can look at it and say, you know what, God's grace is is never going to run out, and that I can start all over, and I can and I can start believing what is truth, and and I can start my life down a different path, and see myself as yeah, I'm pure. It might be you might look at it as a secondary virginity statement or something, but but to say it's not too late for me. You know, there's a difference between facing my brokenness and self punishment. Broke the word broken means it doesn't work right, and the truth is, I'm never going to work right until the day I die. There's something in me that still wants to do the wrong things. Right. That's owning up to the fact that. There's, there's, I got this stinking flesh I'm never going to be free from. Mm-hmm. But 
saying that I'm bad because I do bad things, that I find that to be more self-punishment. Right. And that that's not going to help. Right. All that's going to do is drive me into despair. It's not who you are. It's what you did. And for me, I find the key is understanding that what I believe drives what I do. So first off, if I've really taken a look at the hard fact that my pride has taken me places I never wanted to go, and that I'm in desperate need for Jesus Christ, I can, I can, but then I look at the word like you said, and and I see how he dealt with the woman caught in adultery. I know that I can come to him with the ugliness of the stuff I've done before, my adultery, um, being unfaithful to my wife, being a hardened father years back, and then he's going to clean all those scars up. Mm-hmm. And the hardest part for me was always just facing Jesus because that shame, I let that shame keep me apart from him. Mm-hmm. And so for those of you who might be listening don't let shame and don't let, let lies keep you from walking up and getting face to face with Jesus Christ. Yes. It's not it's not just about the word but it's coming face to face with the living God mm-hmm. and looking at his, his face and letting him see us and minister to us. You know, and and the last part of that he says neither do I condemn you go and sin no more. And so he does call us to repentance. It's not that we can just keep sinning and sinning and sinning and then just keep always going back into that, but but that he calls us to a repentance, a, a brokenness that wants to turn from that. And and so he does call us to sin no more with that. But um, but just rem- I think a lot of people hear that part and they don't hear that neither do I condemn you. Mm. <clears throat> well, for those who you're listening who are ministry leaders or in ministry positions, I want to ask and challenge you to consider two things. First, that we need to talk about sexual sin in the church more and clearly. But often it's in the context of men, and the women get left out of it. And and there's two points to that. First off, if we forget to talk about the wives, we may still lose the marriage. Mm -hmm. I hear all the time from men that, well, I got recovery, I got better, but my wife didn't heal, and the marriage still was lost. The kids lost their mother, they lost their father. So it's critical that we reach out to the wives as much as we do the men. Mm-hmm. And the second end, second is that we have to also address the great need of women who are struggling with this, cl- clearly from the pulpit and at the, at the youth. Right. So if, you're, so if you're a preacher, Julie, what would you say? <laughs> <laughs> well... Let me ask you that. <laughs> what would you say, Mike? I would say that the American Church of 2007 is corrupt with sexual sin. And I would say that there are a lot of people hurting because we're silent. Mm-hmm. And I would say that it's time to stop just preaching about God's Word, but to do what He tells us to do, which is to call our people to repentance mm-hmm. in bold, clear, in, in strong ways, but at the same time, realizing that call, realizing that call to repentance is, is invitation to find grace, Amen. and then to make the church a safe place. And the only way that's going to happen is if men and women start getting up in pulpits and saying, "Look, I'm broken. I struggle with lust, but here's the answer." Because right. if all we do is preach about sexual sin, we haven't really made it safe for anybody to reach mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. You can preach all you want, but brother, that's not going to encourage somebody who's hurting with shame to come out and get help. 
Yeah, and I, I have to wonder if some, I mean, I, I do wonder that uh, if some of the pastors are not speaking up because they haven't actually been able to get past that in their own life mm. and um, are else willing to be honest about that. And so uh, I guess I would urge the pastors that if you are struggling with that and if that is the reason that you're not talking about that, get some help. Get some help because that congregation needs your leadership in this and they need to hear from you on it. Amen. Well, um, on June 6th, we're going to tape two two shows for the Blazing Grace Radio Show and we like to invite all of our listeners to, to call in and to tell us, just to give us your comments, tell, share your stories, tell, tell us what you think. Um, we're blessed to to tell you now that the show is now on in South Africa on 103.0 FM Wednesday nights from 10 p.m. to midnight. So those of you in South Africa can, can tune in there. And uh, we also have a team in Austria. You can f- uh, connect with them at blazinggrace.de. So if you're in the German-speaking nations in Europe, please give them a call. And it's been a blessing and have a good day. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of The Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It would be gratefully appreciated. You can send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 625. Colorado Springs, Colorado 80962-2521 That's Blazing Grace P.O. Box 62521 Colorado Springs, Colorado 80962-2521 Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the internet at www.blazinggrace.org That's www.blazinggrace.org forward slash radio HTM. On that page, you'll find a downloadable copy of this show, or you can visit oneplace.com under Ministries. Look for Blazing Grace Radio. If you want help resolving a sexual addiction, you can reach Jason Graves toll-free by dialing 877-590-SOUL. That's 877-590-7685. In addition to Jason Graves Counseling, Mike Janung has a book out. Mike Janung's book, The Road to Grace, Finding True Freedom from the Bondage of Sexual Addiction is available at www.roadtograce.com. The book guides those who struggle with sexual addiction to a place of finding the abundant life of Christ. There are also sections for wives and recovery for marriage. Desire for a specific subject to be covered on Blazing Grace? Tell Mike Janung what you want covered. You can email Mike at Mike, the symbol at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more blazing issues and grace-filled answers next time. Thanks once again for listening, and may God shine His grace upon you.